Now, listen, I, I want to begin this morning by just thanking you. Um, <laughs> um, I'm not sure, this might be a Minnesota thing to do, but I want to thank you for your thank you. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, for, your, for your graciousness, I, I got to tell you, um, uh, my wife and I, we love being part of this church family. Um, I have loved being your senior pastor uh, for the past 20 years, and um, the thank you you gave us a couple weeks ago um, uh, was um, overwhelming. Uh, I don't know if uh, I don't know if you could tell it because our backs were to you. You know, we were facing. Unless you were standing up here, uh, those who were standing up here, I think they could tell that both Becky and I were just um, uh, shocked by the, by the whole thing. The, the video, the gift, um, <laughs> the applause. Uh, the personal comments that you gave to both uh, Becky and I afterwards, um, I just uh, blew us away. Um, and I got to tell you, for one, for, personally, I was completely caught off guard. <laughs> I was completely ca- caught off guard. Um, um, you know, I mean, nobody told me it was coming. Um, not Pastor Jay. Uh, you know, not uh, Joanne Burns in the office, um, or even my wife uh, didn't, didn't indicate. Uh, There's no hints that any of that uh, was going to happen. And, uh, you know, I just naively just, I didn't pick up on any of it. Um, I, I got to tell you, I was surprised, uh, surprised. Um, how do you know I love surprises like that? Uh, that, was, that was great. Thank you for doing that. Of course, sometimes, I got to tell you, surprises sometimes... Um, don't turn out quite that well. Uh, sometimes uh, surprises can um, um, <laughs> turn out a little bit um, uh, disappointing or, or you know, uh, destructive in, in some way, dangerous. Um, I remember when uh, my siblings and I uh, uh, tried to throw a 50th anniversary party for my parents. Um, we didn't tell them it was coming. They didn't have any idea. Uh, Becky and I and our kids, we drove out from here out to Colorado, where my family's from, and, and we got there to, uh, to, to Denver. Uh, and my parents didn't know we were coming at all. They had no idea. Uh, my sister brought my mother to the location where we were having this uh, 50th anniversary party, uh, but nobody could find my father. Nobody could. Uh, my father was a Saturday, so he just figured he was doing some work. He was at a neighbor's house. He was just helping the neighbor out, doing some work. And so it was an hour and a half later after people had shown up at the party and they were there ready to congratulate them. And it was only my mom. She was loving it. But my uh, dad, uh, you know, he had no idea. Um, and so he shows up an hour and a half later, all dirty and grimy and filthy and greasy and just sweaty and, and uh, you know... Uh, you know, sometimes surprises, so next time, you know, sometimes surprises can be a little bit dangerous. So next time, let me know, you know, that, that, that's coming, would you? Um, in Matthew 25, I got to tell you, Jesus tells us about a surprise of a lifetime. Um, he tells us about that surprise that takes place in what is called the parable, oftentimes we call it the parable of the sheep and goats. Um, Years ago, I got to tell you, I, I, I confess this, I heard um, uh, Haddon Robinson preach a sermon on this parable, and um, I want to acknowledge that I've never forgotten that sermon uh, that he preached, and so <laughs> I'm sure some of that sermon's going to leak in to this sermon. 
Uh, I'm going to be borrowing some from, from that sermon that he preached uh, years, years ago. I invite you to turn with me, though, this morning to Matthew chapter 25, would you? We're in our series we're calling Unexpected Twists. It's a look at Jesus' parables. We're going to be walking through a lot of different parables of Jesus this summer. And uh, between myself and Pastor Jay and Pastor Paul, uh, we're going to be looking at some of these different parables. And this morning, we're going to look at this parable you'll find in Matthew chapter 25. Start with me in verse 31, would you? Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, uh, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger? And welcome you, or naked and clothe you. And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these of my brothers, you did it to me. Then he'll say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devils and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he'll answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it uh, to one of the least of these, You did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Uh, Now, before we uh, dig into this uh, parable, um, I I think what's important for us is to set it into its context. If you go back to the beginning of Matthew chapter 24, in fact, what you'll find is that Jesus um, is um, um, on the Mount of olives and his disciples have come to him and they're asking him about the end of the age and about his return and when all of this happened so jesus begins to tell them a series of stories you'll find those stories matthew 24 and 25 and he begins to give them these stories giving descriptions of what it will be like when he returns the parable of the sheep and goats the one we're going to look at this morning is the last story in that whole sequence. In fact, it's the final story of, uh, that Jesus tells in Matthew's gospel before Jesus is crucified. Now, a lot of people, in actuality, you could describe this uh, parable. It really isn't a parable. That Really, it's a combination. It's a parable and a, uh, a prophecy. Um, like a prophecy, it speaks to an actual uh, event um, that will take place in the future. 
but like a parable, it uh, uses this imaginative metaphor, a, a picture, if you would, to describe this event. It's an event, and it's describing the final judgment at the end of the age. See, the Bible does teach us that when human history has run its course, God will bring all things to an end with the return of his son, Jesus Christ. And on that day, everything in heaven and on earth will be set right, including the final judgment of human beings who will spend eternity with God or without God depending upon their choices that they have made in this life. Now, in this picture that Jesus gives here, it's a picture of all the nations of the world uh, gathering together before Jesus and, and some of his angels. Um, uh, Jesus is the judge, and he separates the people just like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goat, he says. Now, I'm not sure why Jesus uses this image of, of sheep and goats. Maybe, maybe he was reflecting back uh, to David's psalm, Psalm 23, might be, but more likely uh, he was picturing the shepherd <laughs> that they saw every day, these disciples and Jesus, the shepherds who had come to the end of the day, and as nightfall began, uh, one of the tasks of the shepherd was always to separate the two, uh, the sheep from the goats. And that's what Jesus does in his stories, right? You find it in most, uh, almost all of his parables. He uses a picture that his listeners, the hearers of his parable, would be familiar with. An image that they would understand. And maybe if Jesus was speaking to us today, he, he might uh, use a metaphor like uh, manufacturers um, separating the first from the seconds, or uh, a grocer separating the, uh, the, the good fruit from the rotten fruit, spoiled fruit. <laughs> The sheep in this parable um, represent the righteous, those who enjoy right standing with God and will spend eternity with God in his kingdom. The, the goats, they represent those who do not belong to God and therefore will spend eternity apart from God. At first, when you read this parable, I mean, it comes, um, I mean, it seems pretty straightforward, Right? But after you read it a couple times, there's a couple of questions that just present itself. Um, you know, troubling issues. The first one is, who exactly is the least of these? Who, who, who makes up this group of least of these that Jesus refers to, both in, um, in uh, verse um, uh, uh, 40 and then also in verse 45? Then you'll answer, truly I say to you, you did not do it to the, one of the least of these. You did not do it for me, he tells the goats. <laughs> um, the traditional understanding of the least of these simply refers to the poor and, and, and needy of the world. Um, I mean, that's certainly the simplest reading of the text, right? Um, it's certainly consistent also with Jesus' concern for uh, the poor uh, uh, the needy, the, the weak, um, uh, throughout the Gospels. More recently, some commentators have uh, challenged that interpretation, and they've argued that Jesus is referring specifically to his followers, 
who are poor and needy, and in particular, those who are poor and needy because of their loyalty to him. It's cost them. They'll point out that Jesus usually uses that word brothers to describe disciples, and that Jesus says, you have done it unto me, uh, you know, because they are his representatives. Whichever interpretation you land on, and I got to admit, I tend to favor the more traditional understanding of that, uh, who the least of these is, um, it's clear that Jesus has in mind people who, for one reason or another, um, are needy, are vulnerable, are outcasts, or on the lower rung of society. Now, something else I think we need to see, I want to point out to you, I don't think Jesus here is giving us a complete list of those who are in this category of least of these. Uh, I mean, Jesus' list here is really quite brief. Uh, there's the hungry and the thirsty, and there's the, the poor and the sick, right? There's those uh, who lack clothing and, and, and strangers and, and prisoners. But if you think about it for just a moment, I mean, you could come up with others you could add to that list, couldn't you? I mean, how about refugees or, or new immigrants? How about those who might be just hurting um, or lonely or discouraged that, that we encounter every day? The point here, I think, is that Jesus' heart is for those who would fall into this broad category of being poor and needy and, and vulnerable and weak. And, and listen, if his heart is for them, like the point is that as his followers, our hearts ought to be um, for them as well. Now that's the, how I would understand what it means when he says uh, the least of these. But there's something else in this parable that, that bothers me, something greater <laughs> Something that I don't really notice at first. And that's why does everyone in the story seem so surprised? Why do they seem so surprised? I mean, one of the groups that's surprised will be the goats, right? When I first looked at this um, parable, I, I, I tried to imagine what the scene would be like. You know, just uh, try picturing this. I mean, the picture seems to me like it would be pretty chaotic. Uh, and I feel sorry for the angel who has to try to explain <laughs> to uh, the goats the king's decision. Um, I imagine it's a large crowd, you know, something like you might find out the I picture out the U.S. Bank Stadium maybe with the, filled, you know, because of the, of the Super Bowl or something like that. Or, or maybe if you've been watching uh, television recently, uh, maybe it's kind of like those large crowds that are out in front of Buckingham Palace waiting to see Queen Elizabeth, you know, on her seventh, 70th Jubilee, you know, the celebration that took place last weekend. I can just imagine that people are, are elbowing each other and jostling each other, trying to find and get positions so they can see what's happening. I can imagine Jesus coming out on a balcony with his angels. One of the angels stands up and blows the trumpet, and the crowd goes quiet. <laughs> and the second angel stands up and says, This is the judgment 
of the sheep and the goats. Sheep, you go to the king's right. Goats, you go to the king's left. (laughs) I figured, you know, for for you and I, you know, as Christians, Christ followers, um, it'd be easy for us to decide which um, side we're on. I mean, we would simply saunter over to the king's right. But for the others, you know, my neighbors who don't know Christ, family and friends who don't have a relationship with the king, I think they'd be in for surprise of a lifetime, don't you? I mean, all this would be news to them. (laughs) I imagine an angel uh, going to my friend Josh and Ben, uh, those two friends, and trying to explain to them what this all is all about. Um, the angel would say, you guys, uh, you guys are on the, uh, the king's left. You're the goats. <laughs> I can just hear Josh respond, what do you mean we're goats? <laughs> and the angel would begin to try to explain why they're goats. Well, listen, the king was hungry and you didn't feed him. He was thirsty and you didn't give him anything to drink. He was a stranger and you didn't welcome him. You, he, he needed clothes and you, you didn't clothe him. He was sick and in prison and you, you didn't visit him. Now, I, I imagine Ben uh, would step up. He said, you've got to be kidding me. Well, hey, we never saw him. And the angel would explain, well, that they didn't help the king. There were those that Jesus identifies, the angel would say, the, the least of these, the poor and the, and the needy and the vulnerable, the outcasts in the world, and people who are hurting and weak. And these are people that Jesus, well, has compassion for, and you didn't help them. <laughs> I can imagine my friend Josh saying, wait a minute, you, you don't know the city of Minneapolis these days. I mean, you don't go walking around downtown by yourself at night, uh, and you certainly don't take in strangers. <laughs> I mean, because they'll rob you or they'll, they'll steal your car. I mean, you don't know who you can, you can trust. You have to be extra careful these days who you help out, or, or, or you might get killed. And then Ben will chime in, yeah, and, and listen, by the way, I got to tell you, I've given to local charities, I'm really quite generous. I mean, I've served at the local uh, food shelf. In fact, I've run in one of those races, you know, where money is raised to feed people around the world. Uh, And I've handed out money to people on the street corners. I've helped the homeless. You know, the more I think about it, uh, it might be a pretty tough assignment for whatever angel has to explain that goat thing to my friends, neighbors. Because they'll be surprised. Surprised that they're not included with the sheep. Surprised that they ever saw the king. Surprised that what they thought counted didn't. But this, I don't think, is the biggest surprise in this whole story. There's another group that's surprised in this parable. It's the sheep. Did you notice not only did the goats ask the question, how come we're goats? (laughs) But the sheep asked that same question, right? Look with me, verse 37. What says here? Um, It says, then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? 
And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? (laughs) Um, The sheep are as confused as the goats, aren't they? So this made me wonder, uh, you know, who really are the sheep? And why do they seem so surprised? Look with me at what, what the king says here, verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I gotta tell you, I don't think that's a, a casual statement that Jesus is just making up, you know? I, I, I don't think this is some throwaway line that Jesus gives us here. Now, I think what Jesus is doing when he says, the king will say, come you who are blessed by my father. I think what Jesus is doing is he's going back to his Sermon on the Mount, back to earlier in Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, where it's the Beatitudes. Do you remember how he started that sermon? Blessed, he said. Blessed, blessed. He kept repeating that word. It's the first word of every one of those Beatitudes. Eight times Jesus repeats that word, blessed. The same word that he uses here in Matthew chapter 25. He had said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are bankrupt spiritually. In other words, blessed are the women and men who recognize that they have nothing in their spiritual accounts. Zero, zilch to offer God, and they're desperate for him. Then Jesus says in that same sermon, he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. (laughs) Mourn. Yes, mourn, because they see their brokenness. They see their utter helplessness. And next Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The the term here, meek, um, carries this idea of submission to God. They, They bow before God. Next beatitude, blessed are those who hunger and and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. When the Bible talks about righteousness, he talks about right relationships, right relationships with God, right relationships with, with others. So those who have a brokenness of spirit who mourn their, their, their brokenness, begin to crave a right relationship with God and with others, and they're craving, and they're craving, they'll be filled as they bow down before God. The next beatitude, of course, is blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. That craving and filling show itself in mercy. Then comes, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. God's done something in their innermost being, um, and as a result, they shall know and see God. And another time, he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. See, those who have been blessed by the Father are those who know God. Jesus is saying, hey, The sheep, they are blessed. They are the blessed. They have allowed God to work deep in their lives. They have humbled themselves, recognizing their total need of his grace and his work in their inmost being. Christ 
is being formed in them. And as a result, they have responded to the needs of others that they meet along the way. Then we say, well, why are they so surprised if that's been happening? Because, listen, they don't remember helping the king. See, it seems to me that the basis of the judgment of the king is going to depend on little, unknown, unremembered acts of kindness and love that we do and hardly think about. But acts of kindness and love that are important to the king. We care for the poor and needy and hurting and and lonely around us because those are the ones that Jesus identifies with. We love them because that is what Jesus, our king, does. Now, let me be clear, though, about what this story is not saying here, okay? I think sometimes it gets all mixed up. (laughs) This parable, in, in this parable, Jesus isn't telling you that if you drop some coins off in the charity box at the checkout counter at Lunds and Byerly's, then, then you're safe. <laughs> you get to go to heaven. Or if you volunteer at some food shelves or you, um, you, you help out with some other wonderful organizations, that, that, that doesn't necessarily demonstrate that you belong to Christ. Jesus is saying that. Jesus is not saying that as long as you are generous to the poor and needy, then that gets you a ticket into heaven. Now, those who belong to this king, who have allowed him to do a work deep in their lives, will be characterized by little unremembered acts of kindness and love that that flow out from their inner nature. Inner nature, which has been touched by God, It flows out of their inner nature as naturally as wool comes from the back of sheep. (laughs) You know, as I thought again about this picture, you know, I tried to imagine it. And I imagine I'm I'm just out there. I'm standing before the king. King says, Sutton? Hey, Sutton, did did you bring your calendar? (laughs) I say, well, yes, Lord. I, I know they told me that I couldn't bring anything uh, with me, but <laughs> I was able to bring my iPhone with me. Um, so I have my calendar right here. King says, well, Sutton, look up February 5th, 2002. <laughs> I flip on my phone. I check out the calendar. Oh, <laughs> I remember that day. That's the day that I, I received the, the, the official call to become the senior pastor at First Evangelical Free Church of Minneapolis. Oh, I remember that day. King says, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you were available, but, but no, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, do you remember that man who you greeted at church? You didn't know that morning? No idea who he was. The one who was visiting, you stopped and you shook his hand and you made him feel welcome. Do you remember that? My response is, I gotta be honest, I, I, I don't remember that. And the king will say, Well, I remember that. Because when you shook his hands, you shook hands with me. When you welcomed him, you welcomed me. I'll never forget it. 
King will say, hey, well, listen, uh, Sutton, uh, look up October 16, 2016. Without even looking up, I'll say, oh, oh I remember that day. I, well, I mean, I, I was preaching that day, and I was on fire that day. I mean, that was one of my best sermons. I, I mean, I had a lot of people after the sermon come up and compliment me. I, you know, that was a great day. Yeah, I remember that day. King will say, I don't remember your sermons. Um, um, no, that's not what I'm asking you to remember. <laughs> uh, do you remember that later that day you gave up your Sunday afternoon nap to help a neighbor rake their leaves? Afterwards, you talked to that couple. Do you remember that? They had just received some difficult news, and you took some time to encourage them and offer to pray with them. Do you remember that? <laughs> I'll say, uh, no, I... To be honest, Lord, I, I don't remember that. King will say, I remember it. Because when you served them and you took the time to listen to them and, and care for them and encourage them, you were serving me. You know, the 20th year celebration you gave me a couple weeks ago, that surprised me. And the 50th anniversary party that we threw for my parents, that surprised them. Ah, surprises can be good. Surprises can also be a little bit um, dangerous. Um, I wonder, who will be surprised at the last judgment? Yes, when we come to that event, there will be all kinds of surprises, I think. And that day, there will be those who are sure that they're sheep. They'll begin to saunter over to the king's right, and the king will stop them and will say to them, uh, and they'll say, uh, listen, of course we qualify. And, and they'll say, we've prophesied in your name. We, we, we've done miracles in your name. We've, we've helped out in food shelves, and we've helped out the homeless, and, and, and we've been on the boards of some of the largest uh, uh, churches and Christian organizations in the United States. We're well-known in Christian circles. And the king will say, your goats, sheep's clothing. I never knew you. And there will also be those um, who most people have never heard of outside their own neighborhoods, who have been broken by their sinfulness, ashamed of things in their lives, who wonder if they even have a chance of getting into heaven. They'll look at themselves and they'll, they'll question it, if they're even going to be able to make it. They'll realize that the only chance they have is to rely completely upon God's grace and his favor. And they'll make it. In the brokenness of spirit, throwing themselves on God's grace. Yes, I think there's going to be a lot of surprises on that day. And what will matter is not that people applaud you for the great things you have done for Christ. What matters is the great depths of your heart and the life you have allowed God's spirit to work. And from your innermost being have come acts of kindness and acts of love to the weak and to the vulnerable and to the discouraged and to the outcasts that you don't even think much about. But those acts of 
kindness, those acts of love, they have been a ministry to the king. Listen, I think there's going to be a lot of surprises at the last judgment. (laughs) A lot of surprises. This morning, I just want to finish and allow you to take some time maybe to read that parable through and ask yourself, what does God have for you this morning? I invite you to take some time and ask, what does a king, what does the king have to say to you today?